I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Live Mike is the name of this new show here on KSL, episode 27. Uh, grateful to you for joining us today. I uh, owe someone an apology, uh, and I've invited that gentleman here in studio with us today. It's former Utah Representative Fred Cox. Let me take you back uh, just over a month. It was December 12th, a Thursday. Uh, that was my second day here on the job. And uh, Dave and Debbie were covering this issue of the, the special session. And uh, on that day, it was uh, known that the House and the Senate uh, had passed uh, this tax reform measure, something that had been uh, you know, drafted uh, for a little while. And depending on who you ask, uh, it was either you know, a long, deliberate process with much p- public involvement or it was something sprung on us uh, very suddenly. Uh, depending on where you stand on that, you might be moved to uh, take action. And that's what uh, former Utah Representative Fred Cox did. He took advantage of uh, one of the abilities afforded us here as Utahns to petition and uh, start a, a referendum effort, an attempt to get the question of this uh, tax reform package put on the ballot in November. On that day, uh, when Mr. Cox made the assertion that he would be doing this all with uh, with a volunteer force and wasn't going to be hiring professionals, professionals, uh, I, I I thought I was pretty clever and pretty smart by saying, hey, you know what, uh, when... Uh, when pigs fly, I think may have been what I said. Uh, and, well, yesterday was the deadline. At 5 o'clock yesterday, it was the responsibility of those seeking petitions to have them dropped off to the lieutenant governor's office. Uh, to the clerk's. To the clerk's office. Uh, my apologies. Uh, and, uh, well, <clears throat> they turned them in, and we're getting some of these preliminary numbers uh, back. Some of them are estimates. And uh, we don't yet know if you've uh, if you've collected all the required signatures but what i will say and i apologize for snickering back on december 12th uh you have far outperformed uh my expectations and so i am sorry for uh for underestimating your efforts and i am grateful to you today for being in here uh, with us to talk about those efforts fred cox how are you sir i'm doing good uh we're excited i keep on seeing even better numbers than than last night so uh we're excited uh the number of people that helped we had thousands of volunteers, uh, and we had, say, 1,200 that, you know, signed up to be uh, someone that would uh, gather signatures, to be a pack of witness. But we had many, many, many more show up at various Harmons and other places to help, and uh, that has just been amazing. We knew, I knew that I had to have at least 2,500 packets at 49 each 
to have forty nine signatures. Each 49. packet uh, contains the the a space for forty nine folks to sign their name and say, "I'd like to see this on the ballot in November." I knew that we needed at least that many. I knew that was going to cost us thirteen grand. I didn't have the thirteen grand. We raised the thirteen grand uh, with five, ten, uh, twenty dollar uh, donations. But the uh, that was something that. Uh, I thought was going to be fast enough, but the printer that we hired wasn't fast enough based on how fast we were moving. We got another printer involved, ordered another 2,500. They uh, printed them uh, during the week of Christmas and the others eventually got caught up. We ended up uh, getting Harmons involved. We ordered another thousand uh, packets and then uh, just last Saturday, we ordered another 250 on a Saturday and so we have plenty of packets out there. We just don't know exactly how many were turned in. Sure. Uh, I Let me just say in full disclosure, I we're talking about two things really here. We're talking about the substance of an issue and then the process available to those who would like to impact that issue. Uh, and the disclosure I'd like to make is I'm not really sure where I stand on this whole tax reform issue. I have heard uh, very compelling and uh, and I think uh, uh, engaging arguments made by both the legislators behind its crafting as well as the folks uh, in the position of Mr. Cox here who have uh, taken it upon themselves to petition the community and submit those uh, signed petitions to the respective clerk's offices in an effort to uh, put this to the ballot. And so I'm not sure where I stand. What I am sure of is I am absolutely fascinated by this process. And I'm absolutely fascinated by folks mobilizing uh, and going through this effort that you, uh, Mr. Cox, have spearheaded uh, to get these printed and get uh, at least your side of the case uh, out uh, to the folks. It's been an impressive thing to to watch. And uh, I've been, if I'm honest, again, surprised uh, by your accomplishments. And let me ask you this. One of two things could happen. Uh, on the horizon, if it makes it on the ballot, uh, or if you get if you get the re- required number of signatures, some uh, hundred and sixteen thousand or so, with uh, you know proportional representation there in uh, some number of counties, if you make the requirements, if you hit the marks, uh, what's the next step for you, sir? We have to first encourage individuals that have signed to uh, keep their signature. Uh, there is obviously a couple of groups that are saying, ah, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Um, you haven't read this. Well, we encourage people to read it. Um, and so there's still people that are, are basically backing the, the House and Senate leadership on this particular bill. That's to say you're making reference to the ability for folks to remove their names from sure. uh, from these packets or remove their signatures uh, in support. And we've seen that in the past here in Utah. <laughs> that, <laughs> if that's, that's very true. And the once a bill does not have a two-thirds vote, the earliest it can take effect is 60 days. The state constitution is very clear that what should happen is the bill would never become effective. It would never take effect. It would never be crafted into statute. Um, and the voters would vote it up and down. If they vote for it, it, it gets put in statute. If not, it never does. Sure. Legislature redo, redid the referendum law. They've got some major flaws with their new law, including uh, the lieutenant governor is supposed to determine in, in, at day 95 whether we have enough signatures. There's a gap in there. So a, any legislature listening, you need to fix your statute that you passed because it doesn't meet constitutional uh it doesn't match your constitution. Sure. They may have an opportunity to do something like that in upcoming weeks. Have you been in contact with any legislators who are willing to take up that effort? 
Not yet. Uh, but I was talking to the lieutenant governor's office this morning, and they are very aware of the fact that there's three or four major flaws with our constitu- with our uh, referendum uh, statute that was passed. So Let me ask you this now. Uh, let's say word comes back in a few weeks here that, in fact, you have met the, th- the required thresholds. This will find its way onto the ballot in November. What do you do next? We encourage people to vote against the bill this fall. Um, so we're, we, we're still planning on our 25,000 volunteers being involved all the way through this year. And so they will be encouraging their, uh, friends, their neighbors, but it's not just the 25,000. It's the 150,000 people that signed this thing need to encourage their neighbors to vote this bill down this fall because that's going to be the important thing because there will be people that will have money uh, that will say "Ah, uh, you're giving up something well people don't like the increase in the sales tax the fuel tax taking the money away from education uh, changing the way we fund roads or uh, the way we tax services all of those are not people don't like and uh, so I believe that the bill will fail uh, dramatically. It'd be fun to have over a million people vote against it this fall. All right. Well, uh, I am sure, uh, regardless of how things shake up, we'll have plenty of opportunity for you and I to speak again about the substance of this issue. Uh, today, uh, I've been fixated by the, the process, and thank you for kicking it off. Thank you for uh, allowing me uh, to peer in on your efforts and learn uh, about this uh, facet of Utah law. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And just trying to give the people a voice. There you Thank go. All righty, sir. Thanks a lot. That's Fred Cox, a uh, former Utah representative. Uh, they've turned in their packets. We'll see what numbers come back. Listen, next uh, in the segment following, I want to tell you about uh, General James Mattis. He was in Utah yesterday, had some words for the students up there at Utah State University. I'll tell you what he said next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.